she is hard. Her voice screams callous and her touch raw. You think she doesn't care, but she does and she always has. You mistook her tenacity for bitch. She is quick. She can time travel like you've never seen before. You saw her tomorrow and didn't realize because you were stuck in yesterday. You mistook her forward thinking for Detro. She is quiet. Her silence scares you because it makes you unsure of yourself. She compels you to swallow and taste your vices. You mistook her composure for judgment. She is vital. Her urgency in this room is undeniable. Your rejection of it only ensures that her visit maintains. You mistook her necessity for oppression. She is unseen. If you had to guess, she would be everywhere and nowhere. Her body is not contained to the visible realm. You mistook her presence for absence. She is radical. Her mind is bottomless, but not like oceans, bottomless like black history and panther bullets. You mistook her revolutionary for hostility. She is secure. Her ego suffocates her inner zealous. You wonder who could be that home. You mistook her confidence for hubris. She is sweet. She is diligent. She is imperfect. She is voice. She is ready. She is now and then. If you asked her why she is always misunderstood, why she is a giver even when we are takers, she would tell you it is because she is a leader. Hi, we have Nurse Noelle here at Aramur's Reflections today. Nurse Noelle, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you are out there literally on the battlefields dealing with COVID-19. I know it's a lot and I really appreciate you taking time uh, out of your schedule to do this podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. I'm glad uh, that you were able to join us. Uh, tell us a little bit, first of all, about yourself, what type of nurse you are, and let's take it from there with the questions. Okay, so I have, um, so I'm, I've been a nurse for 23 years. I'm a registered nurse, and I have been in the critical care and critical care trauma and emergency medicine departments for 23 years. But about maybe eight years ago, I, I did a little pivot and I moved into health entertainment and sports entertainment where I was working with, where I still work with Dr. Oz as an Oz expert for the show. And I'm working in sports with, um, you know, um, leagues like the NBA, and I'm doing health initiatives, so more community health. But since this pandemic, I went back into the ICU to um, to go on the front line to to um, to work as an ICU nurse. And let me just uh, just for a minute, you also were uh, on the battlefield for 9/11 with everything going down in Manhattan, New York, weren't you? Yes. Oh my goodness. That was, um, that, that was, that, that was something New York, um, it's something that sketched in my mind. mind. It's always going to be in my mind. Um, 2001, 9-11. Um, yeah, so I was on the front line for that also. So how are you, tell us a little bit of what's going on and what you're seeing as a nurse, uh, in COVID-19. What are you seeing with patients? What are you seeing in the hospitals? Just, what are you seeing? What are you experiencing? And what are you seeing other uh, patients experience? Okay, so I see hospitals to full capacity. I see people in the hallways not being able to, to get proper bedding and proper rooms. I see people dying. It's rolling. It's a rolling effect. So with 9-11, we had more of a trauma where it happened and, you know, that was that was the um the effects of of that time, but with COVID COVID nineteen, I see people continuously coming in the ICUs. The mortality rates are high. People are are people are dying. It's you know, and people say, oh, it's just the old people. No, it's not. It's not the old people. It's people twenty nine years old, thirty five years old that are um that are dying. It's, um, and how yeah. how are you dealing with this uh, as a nurse, uh, being out here um, dealing with this, seeing this? How are you coping with it? I pray a lot, <laughs> so I pray a lot. I I have a prayer group, uh, you know that I that 
we call every seven, at seven o'clock every morning to pray because I need it. I'm, I work six days a week. So I am, I need those prayers every day. I sleep a lot and, um, I, well, I sleep when I can, but I, I try to, um, talk to my family a lot and my friends. People have been calling me and they're very supportive. A lot of my friends. I mean, I'm just, listen, I don't know how you're dealing with this. It's just a lot to even wrap my mind around. I can't even imagine uh, being hands-on with this situation right now. What do you, what are you saying to um, patients that have tested positive? What are you saying to the families that's not able to see them? Um, How are you dealing with that as a nurse? How are you handling this? So because I work in the ICU, I don't get to see the test positive and go home and quarantine yourself. You know, we tell them, go home, quarantine yourself, and take care of your symptoms. I'm seeing the patients who are on life support, who are have multi-organ failure, and who most likely will probably, you know, will, will die from it. So it's not, you know, what do I tell the families? That's the hardest part. The hardest part is um, I just lost my mom in September. And um, yes. is when she was in the hospital, we went to see her every day. We we had an, a home health aide we, that we hired there um, ten hours a day to be with her when we weren't able to to see to be with her when we were at work. And not having someone in the hospital—a mother, a father, a sister, a brother—in the hospital, and you can't talk to them, you can't see them. You can't even speak to them on the phone. That's mm-hmm. when they can't visit. It's where their lifeline, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult to be on the phone with them, you know, because they want to be on the phone all the time. They're grasping for any little glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I'm, I know I wasn't supposed to do this, but um, Sunday I I took a video of, with my phone of a patient who was um who just got off the vent. It was, he was extubated. We took him off the vent. And I fought for him to get off of that vent. You know, I said, we have to do these spontaneous breathing trials. We have to try, take off the sedation. We have to see if his, that he, if he can, you know, if his lungs are strong enough to breathe on his own. And he made it. He was about 76 years old. And when his son called, oh yeah, yeah, we don't hear the, those stories. When the son called, I said, give me your number. I'm going to, I'm going to text you something. And I text him his father waving and giving a thumbs up. And this was on Easter Sunday. And they were so elated. They were screaming, the whole family, everybody's screaming, everybody's, everybody's, um, shouting and, you know, talking about how this is the best Easter because you live, they're literally dropping their loved ones off to the emergency room and not seeing them anymore. Mm, what a story. I mean, that story, just hearing that gave me chills. Uh, Experiencing that story, did that give you some hope that there's hope for a lot of these patients, Nurse Noel? I think there's always hope. There's always hope, but the way this this virus is ravishing the lungs, mm-hmm. it, it's not like anything we've ever seen before that is that communicable. So, you know, we have diseases like cancer, like diseases like HIV, AIDS, things that, that actually deteriorate the body and destroy the body. But for it to be so easily transmissible, mm-hmm. that's the, that's that's what we're that's the fear. The fear is anyone can get it. It's not through body fluids. It's not from you know. It's it's literally from touching something or breathing. Like this mm-hmm. is it's scary. Wow. It's, what are you saying to your colleagues uh, that are watching people die so rapidly, so fast? They're overwhelmed. They're working. Uh, they're working nonstop. Um, what are you guys? When you guys are together, what are you guys doing? What are you guys saying to each other to reassure each other? Are you guys having breakdowns? With, what are you guys doing in a situation as a team? I think we're um, when we're together. It's you know we try to help each other, but it's definitely difficult because we are overwhelmed and we're um, understaffed. So I think everywhere is going through the, the problem where we're understaffed. So it's a lot of complaining, but um, it's a lot of complaining, a lot of complaining. But 
you know, at least we're complaining together and mm-hmm. we feel some type of camaraderie because we all, everybody is still doing their best. And I, I salute my colleagues, um, my nurses who have been, um, most of the times, you know, ICU nurses are usually the more seasoned nurses. Um, so with a little, with more experience. So we're able to deal with, um, you know, with, with tragedy. I won't say easier, but it's a little, it runs a little smoother. Right. I don't know if it's because we're desensitized. I don't want to say that we're desensitized because we're, we're still human, right. but I think we, you know, we go into work mode, put your head down and just do what you got to do. Right. As I see, and as I watch news and I read the papers now online, uh, I see that there are some nurses that are just so overwhelmed that they're walking away um, mm-hmm. from their jobs because one, or some to protect their family, some that they just can't not be exposed to this COVID-19 because they know what it's doing to people. You know, what advice or what could you say for some of those nurses that are probably out there toying around with this idea like I should just leave, I should just walk away? What advice could you give to them? Nursing is for the nursing is for the strong, for the strong at heart. So my thing is that if you if you knew you weren't able to to deal with stuff like that, and you were you wanted to work in a clinic, or you wanted to do things, you know, more occupational, um, you know, do things that you know work as a at a school. And I'm not downgrading those those um those sectors of nursing. I've done all sectors of nursing, so I do know some is easier than some. Right. But I do know that. I was not working in the hospital right. when this happened. I volunteered to go back to the hospital right. because not for any money, not for any monetary gain, but because when I call my friends and my colleagues and they're telling me that they are drowning, that and I didn't, I didn't even have to talk to them. I already know what it looks like. I know what what taking four or five patients on a ventilator when you're only supposed to have two, I know what that looks like. I know what it looks like when you're, they're pulling from the floor right. of med, you know, or med surge nurses who are not qualified to work in the critical care area to work just to have a body. I know what that looks like. So if they can't do it, right. you know, it's, it's embarrassing. Right. It's embarrassing um, as a nurse. It's embarrassing as a human being that, right. you know, because I look at that like, you know what? My mom could have been in that hospital and you're turning your back on patients and people that need help. So mm-hmm. you, you don't, you don't ask God, you know, you ask God to help you right. so that you can help people, not help me so I could just help me, but help me because this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the oath that I took, you know, and, and shame, shame on that nurse, like for real, shame on that nurse that I saw that went viral. Shame on her for, 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 for being, I don't want to say selfish, but just being like, just not thinking about what that looks like for the other people who are taking care of, you know, of, um, of people that they don't know. Right. You know, and especially, especially being that this, the health disparity. So we're dealing with the health disparity. We're saying that, um, 70% um, black people are dying from the COVID-19 virus. And as a black nurse, you're just saying, you know what? That's it. I, 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 I'm done. I, I, I wash my hands to this. Right. This is you. This right. is you. So do you expect somebody else to take up the baggage and say, what it, like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm getting emotional. Don't be sorry, Anthony. You should be emotional. I got to tell you, I'm so grateful uh, to have this interview with you. And I know it's a very vulnerable time to even think about doing this. But you are right. You made an oath. You made a sacrifice. And you're sacrificing your life for the greater good. And I couldn't tell you thank you enough. New York City couldn't tell you thank you enough. You're truly, truly, truly a hero to us. And so I'm grateful to you. And I know all the families that you've been helping out in ICU, uh, they are grateful to you. And this will never, ever, ever be forgotten, ever. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to let people know that there are um, testing centers Mm-hmm. If you feel like you're exposed or if you have symptoms that are, you know, parallel to the same, you know, the symptoms that they tell you to look for, um, that you can get testing, free testing. 
in New York and New Jersey. They just opened one in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. The only is that they're drive through, which is doesn't really it doesn't really mesh too well in Brooklyn because a lot of people are commuters. Right. So um, they do have in Westchester and in New Jersey, and they open them up in Pennsylvania also. So how does that process work? Could you just tell us a little bit about that? How does the drive-through process work to get tested for COVID-19? How does what is it like? Do they pick it up? Where do they drop it off at? How does it all work at uh, Nurse Noel? So it's a drive-through. You drive to the first tent where you are under registration. I I'm working there, so I work and uh, I um I have a hazmat suit on, and you come up. We have a sign that says "Call me." You call the number that's on my, my little board, and mm-hmm. it, it's my phone. Like, you know, we, they give us phones. So the phone rings. I ask you your name if you have an appointment, because most people register online. So if you do have an appointment and a number, a screening number, I just pull your paperwork and put it on your windshield, and you drive down to the um to the testing, to the other testing site, where, where you actually, they give the swab. They put it in your nose far back into your nose because it's a nasal pharyngeal. Um, they, they go through your nose and hit your pharynx for um, the, it's a little uncomfortable. Right. It's a lot of, it's a lot of uncomfortable. I'm going to be right. honest with you. And um, it's not like a re- regular nasal swab. It's a pharyngeal nasal swab. And, and that's it. And then they send it to the test. We have our own testing now before they were sending everything to South Carolina and right. to the CDC now, now um, we're able to do things locally, so they come back in 24 hours. But it's, it's cool. That's a great system. Um, how many uh, people would you say that you are actually uh, seeing a day? Anywhere from 300 to 450 in our testing site alone. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of people. Um, what are you doing, um, Anthea, for your mental health? Seeing all of this, being there for 9-11, what are you doing for your mental cleanser to get you through to the next day to get to the hospital and deal with your patients? Unhealthy things. <laughs> Unhealthy things. Like, I mean, I'm not... I mean, I'm not like smoking crack or anything. I'm eating. Right. My my vice is eating. Like I'm eating, and that's which is bad. I've um since I've been working so much, I don't have the time to eat. Right. So I live I live on a park. I'm able to walk. So I try to walk around the park as much as I can. And um, what else do I do? I I, I I don't know. I because there's so much there's not enough time there's not a lot of time in between me working. Right. So that time and sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I try to um I don't know, I just try to decompress. I have my weighted blanket mm-hmm. that that helps a lot. The weighted right. blanket that makes me feel happy and and decreases my anxiety. I think it's important that I ask you that question because I want the nurses out there that's listening, people out there that's listening, that's dealing with, you know, this tragedy right now on you need to do what you need to do so you can get to the next day to take care of people who really can't take care of themselves. Right. Right. So what I am now where I'm at right now, um, when I think about what you're going through, I, I honestly I keep trying to wrap my mind around it, but I I cannot uh, because it's selfless. Uh, what you're doing. And I know that your family is worried about you being on the front lines. Um, What would you tell COVID-19 survivors that are listening to this podcast right now? Um, What would you say to them? You are a survivor. God has brought you through. You have a purpose. I, I truly believe that you are blessed because I've, I've seen both sides of the, the spectrum. I've seen, you know, um, asymptomatic people. I've seen people with mild symptoms. And then I've seen people that, that have, um, you know, that, that have lost their lives to it. So mm-hmm. feel blessed. And um, you have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And please tell your story. Because any, 
any triumph over tragedy is 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 a story, mm. and they can can um encourage someone else, mm-hmm. not to you know not not as a bragging tool, not as a not a you know well I made it, not that way, but you know you know that God has um spared you, mm-hmm. and you are living proof that that there is a God. Amen. What would you say, Nurse Noel, to the families who loved ones are still fighting this, who's still in ICU, who they don't know is coming home? You know, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them to get through this horrible journey? So the most what we're seeing is doctors telling families that their loved one is not going to make it mm-hmm. and the first stage of, of grief is denying right. and how do you tell somebody that this is it right. and then accept it I don't I can't accept it right. I can't you know you're, if you're human you're not going to accept it what do I say I say um I don't like to give false hope. I really don't because that's so unrealistic. You you put in your life, you know, this doctor said my my mother's going to, my mother's going to die. But then this nurse said that, oh, there's a chance that she's not going to, you know, you're giving mixed signals. You're giving mixed. um, I try, we try to be in conjunction with the team the respiratory therapist, the physician, the attending, the resident, and the nurse, we try to be on one accord. Right. We're saying to the what we're saying to the family. Right. Um, some families just want to know. Sometimes they don't want to know like the prognosis. They don't want to know the outcome. They want to know what you're doing. What are you doing? You know, they want to know values. They want to know lab values. They want to know numbers. They want to know, you know, certain things. Some of them don't, they don't want to hear that truth. And it's okay. And sometimes it's okay not to force it on them because they might not be ready. You know, you just, I'm very transparent. I'm very Right. So, you know, I, I'm always talking to families and not just with COVID-19. I'm always telling people like my patients, I swear, my patients all know that I'm a cancer survivor. They all know that I am a sexual assault survivor. They all know I lost my mom recently. So everybody knows, like, you know, because it humanizes the whole conversation. It makes you, it makes them, you know, it makes you feel comfortable with the person. And I just like, you know. Let them know that you're not alone. You're not alone in this. We're doing our best that we can. We're doing the best that we can. Right. Um, we, we, are, we really are. That's the most realest thing I think you can actually say to someone that's struggling with, you know, facing death. Um, that we have all been through something tragic and it's for us to share uh, for people to understand that they're not alone and that I do understand what I'm, what you're going through, and especially being a nurse and working in the IC unit, uh, and it's coming from you. I'm sure it means a lot to them. So all the people that is not taking this serious, uh, Nurse Noel, uh, that are not staying at home, um, that are still congregating outside amongst themselves, um, what would you say to them? I mean, so really we have, um, when we have a president who tells us that everything's going to be back to normal by Easter, mm-hmm. and then you have, you know, the, the Surgeon General that's telling us different information, people are getting mixed signals. And mm-hmm. I'm not blaming it um, on just sheer ignorance. I'm blaming it on selfishness. Right. What do I say to them? I say, um, until... You're not going to get anybody to really understand it until it really hits home. And, and until it hits home, you're going to, um, then, then you'll get it because mm-hmm. people are not seeing the, the, the problem is people are not seeing what we're seeing in the hospital. That's why people think that it's okay. Because when I went to Target, I went to Target yesterday for food. I had no food in my house and I do not want to eat out. Right. I don't want to eat 
out. I stopped eating, honestly, I stopped eating um, a lot, lot of fruit and vegetables that I used to because I don't like people handling things and I'm a little jumper fold now. Yeah. But um, I went to some, some lean cuisine little box things because I needed something on the go. And people are just, it's normal. They're like, this is the new normal. And they're walking around and they're thinking that it's okay because you're not seeing what I'm seeing on the other side. You're not seeing patients lined up outside trying to get into the hospital and being turned back. You're not seeing people in the drive-thru testing with, you know, I'm like, you need to be admitted to the hospital. Why did you come here for testing? You need to, you need to leave. You know, you, they're not seeing this. So until it I don't think people will get it. Wow. 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 It's, it's sad to, for it to go there when really we can just take heed of what the information that we're given to us now, listen and stay home. And if we're going to go outside to put on a mask, to wear gloves, to cover your hair up, to cover your body up and not touch anything. And what I'm also seeing, Nurse Noel, uh, is a lot of people is, uh, is throwing out their, their gloves that they've used and their mask onto the floor. What do you have right. to say about that? So that's a big thing. We, we were talking. Um, I was talking to um, the person, the the, the pharmacist mm-hmm. at Rite Aid, and they were telling me that it, that's the biggest problem is that people are coming in getting their medication, and it's a whole slew of just dirty gloves and dirty masks all over the um, all over the the parking lot. Like people are not really being. Um, People are not really being um, cognizant of um, cleanliness. And um, what I do know is that, one, this this is another thing. Mm-hmm. One, people are probably not taking off their gloves properly. Mm-hmm. There's an actual um, science to taking off gloves so that you don't contaminate your hands. And um, people probably aren't touching, people are probably touching everything with their gloves. Right. And um, I'll tell you one thing, just one, one thing before I forget. Yeah. Disinfect your keys. Wow. Disinfect your keys. Every day I come home, I put my keys on the, on the counter and I spray them down with Lysol. Wow. That's a good your one. Your keys are everywhere. People are not really, um, you know, until they, until they made the law that you had to wear masking, you know, masks, people right. weren't wearing masks at all. People right. weren't covering their faces. It was very, um, it was just, it was, it was horrible to see just people outside breathing and laughing and joking. And it was like, it was nothing. I'm like, take this seriously. You know, it's scary. It's very scary. What would you leave with us, uh, Nurse Noel, on some tips and things that we can do to try our best to protect our families, our kids, and, and ourselves? What could we do right now? What could you do? Take advantage of modern technology. Mm-hmm. Take, um, modern, there are things in place um, such as... Skype and Zoom and things of that nature to communicate with people because we're so, we're social. We're human beings and human beings are social. So we did need, do need that social interaction. I live by myself, so it's a little difficult. Right. But I I'm, I question if I didn't work, what would I like? I would be. It would be a little difficult for me mm-hmm. by myself. I was home for three weeks before I went back to work, and I was. I, I laid in the bed all day and I was just not productive. I had no schedule. I didn't do anything. So try to make a schedule for yourself. Try to um, utilize, um, make a routine so that you have to have a routine, you know. Okay, so like 9 o'clock, I get up, I eat. Every morning, I'm going to eat at 9 o'clock. Then I'll do something else at 10. And then, you know, then I'll use this time. And it's okay to have a time for Nothing. Like I have a time to just lay down and watch TV. That's but that's your time to do. You know, I I I find that structure. You know, when people have structure, it's um you're a little more productive. Even if it's structure doing not not important things, but it's still some type of structure. You know, um, what else would I tell people? Um, 
try to get your um build boost your immune system. Mm. I know it's difficult um to do because every time I go to the the pharmacy, all of the zinc and the, all of the zinc and vitamin C are, are off the shelves. You can't find it, but you can also find it in um, citrus. I, I, I in my smoothie, I um, blend one orange every day for my vitamin C, and right. that's enough, five hundred milligrams to get you know the daily amount, um, the daily recommended dose, and right. um, sleep. Sleep. I mean, I'm struggling, Nurse Noel, with sleeping. So, you know, my nerves are shot. And of course, you know, I have all these worries, just like the rest of the world does. What could I do for sleep, for more sleep? The weighted blanket. blanket. <laughs> um, and if you don't want to take things like, um, I mean, you don't want to be too too severe, like asking for a prescription for Ambien or anything. You can take chamomile or um, melatonin, which is over-the-counter. Melatonin. Okay. I'm going to try those things because God knows I need it. Um, I want to just say to you that we are grateful for all your hard work. We are grateful for your sacrifice that you're making. I know you just lost your mom and you are not even taking any time to really be in mourning of that. You're in the hospitals, you're hands-on with the patients, um, you're making sure that people are getting tested, you're making sure friends that are calling you frantically thinking they're having it, you're telling them to come down and get tested. You are nothing but an earth angel and we are so grateful for you, Nurse Noel. And words cannot express on how lucky we are to have nurses like you that put yourself on the front line for people like us, everyday people. I want you to leave us with one thing. How can people contact you? If people want to send something to you, people have questions for you. If people want you on their podcast, on their media outlets, how can people contact Nurse Noel? Um. You can always email me, Anthea, A-N-T-H-E-A, at NurseNoel.com, N-O-E-L. I also, Instagram, I, I answer all my DMs. I read all my DMs. Um, my Instagram handle is NurseNoel underscore, N-U-R-S-E-N-O-E-L underscore. I, um, you know, if you, if you send your, your, your request, I can definitely tell you where um, I could be contacted and where I could, you know, for physical things, um, tangible, tangible things. People have been, oh my, oh my goodness, I got like teddy bears and I'm like, people are really, um, people are really, really sweet and they're nice and they're considerate. And, um, you know, I got a card the other day and I was just like, this is so like, I was crying because this is, it makes, you know, it makes you happy. This is something that you, that, that comes second nature. And then people, are um, so appreciative and that makes that makes us happy thank you so much for all the love that you're giving us well we appreciate you and we know that none of these patients would be able to survive those those ones that are surviving this and, and fighting this if it wasn't for you nurses i always say the nurses do all the dirty work or all the hard stuff and so we appreciate you we're praying for you Please continue to stay protected, and um, we will be talking soon. And thank you so much for blessing our MERS Reflections with all your advice because we need it and reminders. And also, you know, for all the love that you've shown the other nurses that's also on the front line, Nurse Noel, we, we are grateful to you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you thank too, you. Nurse Noel. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.